It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, Wizards fans? Welcome to part two of the Capital Crossover podcast episode. It's your host, the real Ed Oliver and Brandon Scott, special guest Kyle Andrews. We're talking more about uh, Bob Myers and the Wizards' future with Michael Winger. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So thank you guys for making a lot of wishes your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today we have we're on part two of the Capital Crossover Podcast episode with our guy Kyle Andrews. How you doing today, man? Doing well, doing well. I'm I'm excited as always. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, we're talking a little bit about Bob Myers, Will Dawkins, and Milton Newton. Some more about the Wizards. Um, but I just wanted to ask you. So we, there was just a report that came out from Chris. Uh, per CNN, uh, he is a beat reporter for the New York Knicks. He came up with a report that uh, the Washington Wizards or that he heard from several sources that Bob Myers turned down an offer in the ballpark of $15 million to lead the Washington Wizards. He won't be taking a side gig with the New York Knicks either. Uh, Bob Myers did step down from the Washington Warriors yesterday. He did have a press conference. If, if everyone listening did not hear about that, what are your thoughts on that? Um, do you think uh, that's a bad thing? Or are you happy that Ted tried to get Bob Myers? Uh, what are your thoughts about the whole situation? It's like that, um, you know, that that Simpsons episode where Bart brought out the cake and he was like, at least you tried. You know, I'm I'm not upset with it. I mean, give it a hey, take it that that's what you got to deal with. Sometimes, look, you're going to have times where people just, you know, they're, tri- they're tired. They don't want to work right now. And I get it. After all he's done. He has he has the right to be able to relax a little bit, and the thing is, that's not on that's not a wizard's problem. I don't I don't feel like he wants to take any job right now. I feel like this is just you know not where he he just doesn't want to he wants to chill, and I get it, I totally get it. And maybe he might down the line. He's still Bob Myers is still fairly young. He's not even fifty years old yet. So I mean, I think this is the time for him in his life where he could reset, go be with his family. And, you know, that that is what it is. That's not a knock on a Wizards. I mean, $15 million, that's a lot of money to be turning down. But it just goes to show you how much he is, um, you know, focused on other things in his life right now. And they shouldn't I – don't, I don't feel like that's a knock against him because he doesn't want to work with the Knicks either. So, I mean, it it is what it is. And the Knicks went to the playoffs and have a more, I guess, promising – that's weird to say that the Knicks are more promising, right? But, um, you know, that's not on them. That's not on the Wizards. So I, I think they tried, and that's all you can hope for. Yeah, that was a great analogy with with Bart Simpson and the cake, for sure. Um, so it, it's not like a Kevin Durant turning down the Wizards for the Warriors or uh, leaving us in the dust there when we, we tried to do everything. We hired Scott Brooks. We moved the stadium to 
to where it is or the practice facility. We hired his, his trainer as an assistant coach where they just they try to full court press for Kevin Durant. It's not that bad. And it's not as bad when we try to get out Horford. He turned the Wizards down, too. So, um, it, like you said, he he is taking a break, which is well deserved. He's won multiple championships, made a lot of big moves. Um, he's done some great things, won executive of the year twice. So I understand being a GM is a hard job, man. You got to scout, you got to fly to different countries, look at players, um, scout the G League. There's just a lot that goes into it other than, you know, trying to tr- make trades and other things. Uh, there's just a lot that goes into the day-to-day business of being a general manager. So I totally understand if he wants to take a, take a break. I mean, like I said, he has a, a huge, huge uh, resume for sure. Um, and he, he's taking a break. It's not like he's just turning down the Wizards and going to a different team. So $15 million, $15 million is definitely a good amount of money. And Ted Leonce has tried. I'm happy that he's being aggressive and he's trying to get the best people that are out there instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to look around and just make an in-house hire. So um, I'm not mad at it, not happy about it. But um, I think, once again, he's getting a good guy, Michael Winger, who's not the GM. We're still looking for a GM. But Ted is trying and – Bob Myers is going to take a break and, and probably be with his family. And if you listen to the press conference, you can tell how tired Bob Myers is. So you don't want to get a guy and force his hand and force him to be a GM and pay him $15 million when his heart isn't a hundred percent. in. Yeah, that's right. That's right where I'm at with it. You know, you, you have to deal with what you have to deal with, but you know, at the same time, they still have a um, pretty, pretty, uh, you know, exciting person to be in there organization right now with uh, Michael Winger and fans should be happy with that just because you didn't get Bob Myers didn't mean that you didn't get anyone that's quality and I feel like Michael Winger is just the beginning of the quality that the Wizards will be able to insert into that organization if you know they're really willing to allow him to hire his people now that we'll see and uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's the next topic we'll get to as well right definitely yeah and before we do get to that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make sure you guys use FanDuel on the NBA Finals. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Um, you can definitely put a bet on on Jokic. His points, I always take a, the over on his points, rebounds, and assists. He is a triple-double machine. So that's the bet that I always bet on. Um, and I'll probably go with the Nuggets in Game 1 for sure. Uh, yes, that's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's no better place to bet all the NBA Finals action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Brandon. 
Yes, sir. So, you know, you already mentioned it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, looking at two candidates that are kind of the likeliest candidates uh, in Milt Newton and Will Dawkins. Obviously, both of them have a connection to the organization. Milt Newton previously worked for the Wizards and Will Dawkins uh, worked with Michael Winger underneath Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. So which one of these guys do you think has a leg up or do you think both of them, it, it could be either one or where you at with it? It sounds like it sounds like Ted's guys, uh, Milt Newton, and then it sounds like Michael Winger's guy is uh, Will Dawkins. And the thing is, if Ted is truly in on allowing his, you know, president of Monumental Basketball, not just not just the president of the Washington Wizards, but the president of Monumental Basketball, if that is your true second in command and you trust him to make all the basketball decisions, get out of his way allow him to hire the guy that he wants to hire. And it looks like Will Dawkins is that guy. Um, not to mention, Will Dawkins went to Emerson College. Shout out to them. I had a friend that went to Emerson, um, but he is a very smart guy, very smart guy, still fairly young. He's on the younger side. Um, I feel like that that's going to really, you know, bring some innovation to this franchise. He comes from a very strong background um, in OKC, I just think that that's incredibly important um, just to have someone that truly, truly understands how to build a, um, you know, a, a good foundation. I think OKC's always built a good foundation for their teams. They, they develop guys pretty well. Um, we've seen a number of guys um, that have flourished out there. And then not to mention, they acquire picks. <laughs> I just love the way they acquire picks. They they get their first round picks. They tried multiple times to, you know, trade for people. They tried to make Russell Westbrook happy by getting Melo and getting Paul George. Um, because we all people always forget that Melo was out there with them too. And that was right after the Knicks era of Melo. And then I mean, you know, Houston he went to as well. But I just think that that's something that the Wizards have to, you know. They have to try to go in that direction of, you know, trying to get someone that has that experience trying to win, but also understanding that, like, look, if we can't win right now, we got to make that retool. We got to trade for some picks. Um, you know, you don't go home with your tail tucked in between your legs. You you keep trying to fight. And I think that's something that Will Dawkins has done. Now, I'm not saying Milton Newton hasn't learned a thing or two with the Bucks. I mean, because for all we know, he could have he could have learned everything there is to know about player development with the way that, you know, Giannis has been since he's joined that organization. But, um, you know, I just I just think that it's you get a little worried about having someone that worked with Tommy Shepard, that worked with Ernie Grunfeld. And, you know, I mean, it's that that's the one thing that it's a hang up and. I just think that they have to go in that direction of getting a Will Dawkins in here that he gets it. He understands that he has that rapport with Michael Winger. I feel like that's the biggest aspect of it, that rapport and that cohesion that an organization is supposed to have. It's like, a you know, I think about Michael Elias and Sigma Idell with the, with the Orioles, right? They both worked with the Houston Astros. They both had a great background together, working together. They might not have been the head guys at the, with the Astros, but they were two guys that worked in lockstep with one another, that saw eye to eye with one another. They brought in more people that also worked in that Astros organization. And I look at 
you know, OKC and the Clippers, um, you know, as organizations that the Wizards should try to build after, you know, maybe maybe if you can't win, you try to keep going in a direction where like, look, we have to rebuild and, and maybe not a quick, maybe not a long term rebuild. It might be two years, it might be a two year, one year kind of thing. And then they bounce right back because they already got the pieces, because if you trade a guy like um, if you if you were to sign and trade Kuzma, maybe you might be able to scope out a, a first round pick. And then we'll see what happens with that first round pick the year after. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be able to get it right here now because Kuzma's a pending free agent. But that's something that the Wizards have to look forward to. And I think that Will Dawkins is that guy that can be able to do that. Man, that was a dope example you used with Michael Elias, man. That was I was thinking that too. Um, but I think you're right on, man. I think Will Dawkins is the guy. I, if I'm willing to bet, it's Will Dawkins because you know I think you're right on the on the sense that you know with Milton Newton's connection to Tommy Shepard, and you know they, they're gonna that there's a reason not to bring him here. And I, it's kind of like politics, man. You know, each administration cleans out the previous administration's post, and that's just the way it is. You know, when, when the new administration comes in. They clean house, and and I think they're going to do the same thing. They're going to clean house, and I think the right way is Will Dawkins. But another thing you you mentioned that is on point, man, is foundation. You know, whenever when have we ever had a foundation? I mean, you know, if you look at our drafting record, I mean, John Wall and Bradley Bill were pretty obvious picks. I mean, you don't get any points for getting John Wall in that draft because who else you going to get a number one in that draft? And same thing with Bill. You know, you got to roll with Bill in that draft, man. So. But you got to have a foundation. It comes with scouting. And that's another thing that I think I'm optimistic about is that I think they're going to revamp this scouting department because you have to hit on your first round picks. You know, under Ernie Grunfield, we gave away, we traded away your first round picks like it's candy, man. I mean, you you mentioned earlier, Bogdanovich, first round pick for Bogdanovich, right? And we didn't even retain him that year. You know, so we gave up a first round, first round pick for Markeith Morris, which Morris came in, you know, he played well for us, but we 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 had to get out of that sense of trying to trade a first round pick every single year, and the same thing. Both of you mentioned earlier, second round picks. I mean, wh- where is our second round pick from last year? I mean, he averages I think what one point five points a game. I mean, yeah, I think he's a lot more than a couple years away. I think he's a decade away. I mean, he's just not there, man. <laughs> but you got to hit on picks, man. You got to hit on picks, and I think that. So you hit the nail on the head, foundation, because again, NBA wise. To me, Cleveland's an example of drafting, you know, and then building through trade. Because again, Cleveland has never been that destination. You know, you know, Washington D.C. Yeah, I don't think it's the city. I think it's a little more the organization. Why we're not a destination for free agents? Because I don't think D.C. as a city is a slouch. Now we're not, you know, bright lights like L.A. and New York. But you know, it, it's a dope city. But so I think it has a lot more to do with the organization. Why people don't want to come here? But Cleveland Cavaliers, they're the model. And even if you want to go deeper, Golden State. Stephen Curry was drafted there. Klay Thompson was drafted there. Draymond Green was a second-round pick. And when it came down to making that push to compete, because people forget, you know, Stephen Curry dealt with some issues his first three years, whether it was injuries, you know, had a lot of uh, ankle injuries, um, you know, being consistent. You know, it wasn't just, you know, Stephen Curry came in the league and was lighting legal fire. No, he, he they developed Stephen Curry. You know, he, he was that shooter in college, but he wasn't a complete player. And really, if you look at his game, he's evolved, but let's get off Stephen Curry. We're talking about the Wizards here, but you know, building through the draft is what we need to start doing, man. Because one, you're getting players you can develop and can contribute on the bench. But then you're getting guys who down the line, if you want to do a rebuild, 
You have guys who you've developed who can come in and start. I mean, it's, it's longevity for your organization. And that's what we've never had, man. You know, we've always had these moves, these mind-raking moves, like Kelly Obrey for Trevor Reza, where you're trading away a guy who's a young guy that you drafted for a guy that you're not even going to have the next year. And, we, you know, we mentioned Bogdanovich. The list goes on. And so we have to – I think both of you guys are right, man. I'm very optimistic because Michael Winger is a good move, not only for personnel but for finance, for the business side. You know, you know, they're trying to market this team and put it up there with other teams and put some prestige on the name, man. Put some respect on that name, right? So I think that you know, bringing in the basketball guy, right, that kind of team up with the financial side. I think we're cooking with grease, man. I, I like what I see with this front office because, man, top down model, man. You know, looking at the the Jerry Krause when he made those comments, you know, when he sparred with Michael Jordan, talking about, you know, Jerry Krause always believed that organizations win championships, where. Michael Jordan believed that, you know, the player is the most important part. And I, 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 you know, I get both sides. You know, the player is the most instrumental part, but organizations win championships. Every championship organization, you see a stable and competent front office behind that team. Golden State, Bob Myers. I mean, the list goes on with championship teams. Your general manager, your, your general manager and the, and the, his ability to find the right personnel to fit the right systems is, is, key and we are really walking down the right path for this organization very very we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed happy so um another question for you look we're going to get to the real deal bradley bill the franchise guy uh going into year two of the supermax um now what do you think is the biggest motivating factor for him when to stay here long term is it loyalty is it the money or does the scoring record have a lot to do with that what do you think well i'll, I'll start this first um i think dc is a beautiful city to raise a family in i, I think that's that's a big thing and he has a young family that um, I'm sure that, you know, Kamaya and Brad want to want to be in D.C. long term because, this is a, I mean, it, look, let's be real. D.C. is a great place to live. It is a destination city. Um, so I think that's first things first. But that's just a little speculation. But, um, you know, that, that's number one. But then when it comes to basketball, I think he does want to break their record. I think he does want to be the face of, you know, the Wizards. I think that's that's the ultimate goal for him um, to be someone that is respected among their arenas is the walls, the, um, you know, the the Jamesons, the Butlers, the, um, you know, list goes on from from that era of Wizards uh, basketball. But I don't know if he'll ever get to the Bullets level of guys where, you know, I mean, Bullets had some Hall of Famers, so. But, I, I mean, when it comes to the Wizards, I, I just think he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that face where people truly respect him as the guy who, um, you know, turned around this franchise. I think that he wants to stick there for the long term. Um, you know, I think it's purely – yeah, it, some people say, oh, yeah, well, he's, he's staying here for the money. But the thing is, he already got paid. He already got paid so he could leave. You know, if he wants to get traded and some team is willing to take his contract – then he can go, you know, but he's, he's here. Um, he's with the wizards and, you know, I just think that's something that 
people have to just – I mean, he's not a bad basketball player. I wish – that's the one thing I, I, I get hung up on about this contract is that Bradley Beal is a very good basketball player. I just think the contract makes it look so much worse that fans give him this hate that they really shouldn't give him. I mean, and sometimes I, you know, I fall, I fall into the. Um, I don't understand why Beal's on the team, um, because, but it's just because of his contract number. And I, and I'm a person that sides with the players ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Um, you know, I, I believe that, like, not the, not to get all off track, but you know, I'm, I'm a person that believes that the players deserve that i mean they they're the one they're the people that put the product on the court they're the ones that control the destiny now you need people to guide them in that right direction like you said you need good organizations to back those players up and you know i think that the wizards they need to back deal up they need to give him they need to back him up and and give him something to work with and i think the way you do that is you help with player development you help with, you know, getting him the right people on that on that team. I, I remember, I think back to John Wall and Bradley Beal when they were in their prime, and everybody screamed and banged on the table for Paul George, and they didn't get Paul George. Because the thing is, look, even if Paul George wanted out, guess what? A couple of years later, may, maybe the Wizards get Shea Gildas Alexander. You never know. So I'm just like, I think about that, and I'm like, Dang, they really they really failed them multiple times back then. Because if you if you package a bunch of first round pick, look, if they were gonna trade the first round picks anyway, they should have gotten somebody better than just you know. And I I really like Markeith Morris, I really like Bogey, but you gotta try to get them a bona fide star. You cannot try to just give Bill you know a bunch of tertiary pieces that aren't, I mean, to be quite frank, aren't going to do much. But you also have to be able to draft, I mean, and, and develop guys as well. I mean, second-round picks sometimes have to hit. Sometimes you have to have a second-round pick that becomes a starter, that becomes a very serviceable starter, that becomes a, you know, quality guy off the bench. Your first-round picks have to be solid. It, these starters, they have to be the guys. You cannot just have first-round picks that just – you know, turn into a wallflower when uh, things happen. It just can't happen. I mean, it's like, you know, I feel like some of their first round picks have turned into pumpkins. <laughs> it's like Cinderella, you know. Um, but I just look at that and I'm like, surround Beal with that talent. Make sure that he's insulated, you know. And that that goes to the coaching staff too. And it, it also goes on Beal. It's a team effort. It's an organizational effort. It is a player effort. And you need it either the players need to speak up and, and be somebody needs to take over reins in a leadership like that. The coaching staff needs to speak up and it needs to be a cohesive, uh, you know, thing. But I think that's why Bill ultimately wants to stay here because he wants to see that through. And, you know, for better or for worse, people have to respect them for it because I know a lot of other people that would have dipped out of here as uh, as soon as things started getting tough, and he's been through it. Yeah, let me say this. This previous year, I've been very hard on Bradley Bill. 
very, very hard on him. I'll be the first person to say that. But the reason for that is not him as a person. He's look, top three wizards to me is Gilbert Arenas, John Wall, Bradley Bill. To me personally, love his game, love him as a person. What he's done off the court to me is just magic. You know, him, John Wall was huge in the community. Um, the one year Russell Westbrook was huge in the community. Uh, kind of harder for him because of the pandemic, but. What he's done for the city, man, you can't say it enough. And look, this ain't his first big deal. Now, this is the biggest deal he signed. But like you said, he's signed deals to stay here. He's been here 10 plus. So but now the criticism is the contract. And the reason for that, because that contract, it paints a certain expectations, not only of the organization, but of you as a player. And I, I've gotten on him about leadership. You know, he's you know, not everybody's rah, rah, you know, in your face, trying to motivate people. He's kind of a, you know, easygoing guy. And I get that um bad body language sometimes and just you know crunch time moments in the fourth quarter that's why i've been on him the contract is just you know because like i said there are expectations in that contract for you personally as a player that contract tells me that you're the guy that takes the last shot i don't want to hear issues about not being clutch man you, you get paid 50 plus million dollars a year you need to take the last shot i'm just saying you should want to take that last shot that's part of being that guy you know if you ask michael jordan kobe bryant any top player I mean, it's famous. It's a documentary of Michael Jordan. They ask him, who takes the last shot? Easy. I do. You know, that's what you want to see. And so that's my criticism of Bradley Bill. It's purely on contract. I think the contract, the, man, it's, it's tough to say because on one hand, I want to say, should he have taken less knowing that that would have freed up space to build around him? Yeah. But then did he deserve to a certain degree the loyalty to get a bag? Yeah. So as him as a player, I, I love Bradley Beal as a player. As him as a person, outstanding person. High character, can't say enough, man. It's just the contract. Like you said, the contract is a monster, man. And you, look, let's paint this picture. He's the only player in the NBA with a no-trade clause. Now, in a league where you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, and LeBron James, Bradley Beal is the only player in the NBA with a no-trade clause. I mean, and that, that kind of goes into my next point is Bradley Beal made his money being a scorer. Not bringing the ball up, not trying to do these other things, man. You know, the fact of the matter, that contract has pushed him into areas where he's not really meant to be. You know, Bradley Bill should not bring be bringing the ball up. But the fact of the matter, like I said, $50 million, he wants to be that guy doing it. So, you know, it's just I think that's where the problem lies, is that the money, the expectations, Bradley Bill needs to go back to being a shooting guard, the scorer, because that's how he got his bag, because he is still – a top tier score in his league. And look, he is not a scrub. I've never ever said that Bradley Bill's a scrub. He is not. No, no, sir. No, Bradley Bill can play some basketball. You know, it's just the contract is what gets a lot of criticism for him, man. Especially for me. Because I'll be the first person to say, look, I was hard on him. Him and Wes got a lot of smoke well, <laughs> this previous season. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll admit to it, man. But you know, the fact of the matter is I love Bradley Bill as a player. Now, have I advocated trade? Yeah, because of the contract. You know, I believe that it frees up money, but him being here long term. I have no problem with that. You know, I know people are going to be like, oh, you know, look, I have no problem with that, man. You know, because he he deserves to be up there in, in the hierarchy of the Wizards because, he, like you said, the loyalty. He could have left a long time ago. You know, how many extensions has he signed? I mean, he signed the extension right after John Wall got hurt. Um, you know what I mean? He's, he's signed extensions to stay here. You know, he could have left a long time ago, and he stayed. So, you know, like you said, D.C. ain't no scrub as a city, man. I love D.C. Look. Raised in D.C. area, man, I love it. You know, I think it has a lot to do with the past positions that this organization has been in and why people don't want to come here. Because, you know, how many people really wanted to play under Ernie Grunfield? I think that's the biggest thing. So I think city-wise, you know, I think this organization is going the right way, man. But as far as Bradley Bill, 
I don't see him going anywhere because it comes down to this. You know, it comes down to any business is that what does your competitors or your rivals think of your product, right? How many G, I mean, I, and I'm not saying he doesn't have value because there are teams that will pick up Bradley Bill easy, right? You know, there's been, his name has been linked already to teams. You know, we talked about Boston, you know, Philadelphia's been links, but you know, if I'm an opposing GM, do I really want to dedicate that amount of cap room to a guy who, look, I'm in my thirties. I, you know, I don't think I lost a step, maybe a little bit, but you know, from a sports standpoint, the thirties, you're starting to get old, you know? So, and, and you look at his three point percentage, I believe he shot 30% last year. He's not that sharpshooter like he used to be. He's more of a mid-range guy, like, you know, in the mold of a DeRozan. So, and, and that's cool. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, I think the really help him long-term, longevity for him in D.C. is you got to find a point guard. Take the ball out of his hands in the fourth quarter, set him up, and let him be that, that score that we know he can be. And I think he's going to, I think, I think he's going to take it. He's going to have a good year, man. I think because with the new competent leadership in D.C. and, I believe we're going to get that point guard, whether it's a vet, rookie, is remains to be seen. But a point guard who is pass first, who can open up the floor, who can collapse the defense by driving the lane and really utilize the shooters, I think Bradley Bill could be an all-star this year. And I know people think I'm crazy, but I think with a proper point guard, I think he'd be an all-star because this roster needs a point guard. Because I asked E, and I'm going to ask you. All right, last year, if you had a point guard who could stretch the floor, who could push the pace, who had a little bit of link to him, who could play defense. Do we make the playoffs? Absolutely. And I, I think that's that's the biggest thing is that if you have a point guard that truly can give them some give them some help and keep guys fresh. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Point guards are supposed to take up the bulk of the usage on a team, right? You don't want a um I don't want to I don't want my shooting guard getting worn into the ground because you need his legs late. And the thing is, like, I don't know how many people watch Bradley Beal play in person. That I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to the show um, have. But when you watch Bradley Beal in person, when he at the beginning of the games, he is fast, man. He's explosive. And that's the thing. Like, they have a lot of – I mean, they have some – Beal is one of the most explosive guys that I've seen the Wizards have, like, you know, you, you remember Gilbert Arenas when he was at his best and Gil would just would, you know, he might not have been able to jump out the gym, but, you know, he was able to, you know, get things going and he was he was quick. And that's the same kind of, you know, elite athleticism that I think Beal has. Um, so I just look at them and I'm I'm like, that's they need to take the ball out of his hands. They need to allow him to cook um, off the ball. We need to let Porzingis be able to stay fresh, um, and, and having a good point guard is the is the head of that. So, Luke, before we roll, before I hand the mic over, I'm gonna ask both of you guys a question real quick. So, Bradley Bill gets a scoring record in your eyes. Does that put him at the top? Is he that is he that iconic guy? When you look at Washington Wizards basketball, outside of you know the older guys from the 1970s, you know as far as Wizards. If he gets that scoring record and even leads us to the playoffs this year, does that solidify him as that guy for the Washington Wizards as far as this franchise history? I'll let Ed go first on that one. Oh, go ahead again, Brandon. Um, if if Bradley Bill, well, I, I presume he's going to get the record unless he gets hurt like the first game. Um, after he breaks that scoring record, and even if he leads his team to the playoffs next year, does that solidify him as probably the, the face of the franchise as far as the history of his team? outside of, you know, the championship team? 
Oh, yeah, he's going to be the face for this team, this regime. Um, of course, there's been better wizards than him, you know, or, or more faces of the franchise. Gilbert Arenas, John Wall. Um, but, yeah, as far as this franchise, yeah, if he makes an all-star team, and he, he made an all-star team twice uh, in the past with John Wall. Uh, but, yeah, if he can get back up to being that elite scorer that he's been, he, he had a good scoring season. Again, his percentages, uh, three-point percentage went up, field goal percentage went up. Um, just has to finish games, just has to hit those shots, cut down on the turnovers, dribble off his feet on the last second of the game, the last couple uh, seconds of the game, last couple possessions of the game. So, yeah, I, I definitely would say yes. And um, to piggyback on you guys' answers, too, just West Oslo Jr. as a coach to losing the 15-plus point leads. Uh, we led the league in that, so that's inexcusable. Um, and nobody's innocent on that. Bradley Bill's a part of that, too. Um, but West, I mean, West is the common denominator on that because that happened last year as well. But to answer your question, yes, I, I definitely would say that Bradley Bill uh, would be the face. It's between him and Porzingis. Porzingis was looking like a leader of the team at some points last year, for sure. He had some huge games, uh, had a 40-point game against the Timberwolves, had a couple games where he had a good amount of threes, dominated, and looked like the Porzingis of old, the unicorn. Um, there are some games where Kuzma stepped up too. So, but I, I would say Bradley Bill, he's supposed to be the face of the franchise, especially with the contract. And, um, you know, I'm right there with you on that. He should be the face of the franchise, but, um, you know, that like, like we go, it goes to show you they need to win games. If Bradley Bill can win those games, if he could get you to the playoffs, if he could take you to the second crown, uh, second round, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, then I'm like, you know what? Hey, look, he he's that guy. It's just like how people look at Dame out in Portland. Um, you know, Dame constantly gets them to the Western Conference Finals. Dame is constantly showing that he could score 50, 60 points a game uh, every couple games, um, it seems like. Um, but I think that's something that Beal has to try to take his game to. Does he want to be – you know, looked at in more of a Damian Lillard sense, or does he want to be looked at more in the in the way that he is now? And I think that's that's the way to get there is to start winning. Yes, sir. I totally agree. So before we roll, um, E, you got anything else, man? No, man. This is a great episode. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything to promote? Yes, I just want everybody to listen to the crap the Capital Crossover podcast. You can follow us at Cap Capital Cross Pod on Twitter. And then my personal Twitter is Kyle J Andrews underscore. Follow me on Twitter as well. Um, and, you know, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get you all on too. Yes, sir. As we said, we definitely got to get that going for sure. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day for every dayers. Check out more draft talk next week and hopefully we find a GM possibly could be will dawkins so we'll definitely break that news to you if it does happen make sure you guys subscribe to the capital crossover podcast for our guy kyle andrews thank you once again for coming on make sure you guys follow him on twitter yes sir and we'll put his twitter down in the description box as well so you guys can follow him on twitter and social media once again subscribe hit the like button hell to the wizards peace Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.